It's Tom from This Day in Baseball. This is the Daily Rewind, where we look back at five cool things about November 4th in baseball history. Now, as you know, we like to start off with a little trivia. Frank Robinson was the first black manager with the Cleveland Indians in 1975. We all know that. Um, but there was another black player who managed before Robbie. Can you name him? Answer at the end. So first up, we're going to go November 4th, way back in time, 1889. After a formal meeting of representatives from all National League chapters, the Brotherhood issues a manifesto in which it claims the players have been bought, sold, and exchanged as though they were sheep instead of American citizens. This bold statement constitutes a declaration of war between the Brotherhood and Major League officials, which will soon explode into the formation of the Players League. Baseball history, owners and players have never traditionally got along that well. And you fast forward to 86 years later, um, when some big mistakes by the owners uh, in their reserve clause stances uh, end up leading to free agency. And on November 4th in 1976, uh, the first mass free agent uh, re-entry draft is held at New York Plaza. Among those available, Reggie Jackson, Willie McCovey, Raleigh Fingers, Joe Rudy, Don Gullett, Nate Colbert, Don Baylor, and Bobby Gritch. Now, McCovey and Colbert are the only two players not selected, but McCovey will catch on with the Giants in spring training and have a great year. Jackson, of course, will go on to start for the New York Yankees, help them win two World Series championships. And Fingers, who we talked about yesterday, will have several great seasons and have no greater season than he had in 1981 when he set the record for... Um, ERA for a Cy Young Award winner, and he also won the MVP award. And, and an amazing statistic that I look at when I think about last yesterday's podcast is he factored into 55% of their wins during the 1981 season, a phenomenal number. And, uh, and Don Baylor will go off to win the MVP award for the um, California Angels. Now on a sad note, November 4th, 1948, Jake Powell, uh, who starred in the 1936 World Series for the Yankees, shoots himself to death in the Washington police headquarters. Uh, he's going to do that while he's being questioned on bad check charges. He had been staying. He was picked up at Union Station. He'd been staying at a local hotel, and they had complained uh, that he was passing bad checks, and he had been there for a few days. You know, after Powell was taken, uh, taken to the check and fraud division in the local police headquarters, during the questioning uh, by the police, he asked for permission to leave the room for several minutes. The police granted him that, and he stepped outside, with, and he pulled out a 25 caliber revolver and shot himself in the chest and once in the right temple. Uh, to, it's hard to believe that they would uh, allow somebody in a police station with a gun on them and not search them beforehand. But, uh, you know, this was 1948, different time than it is now. Uh, and when he was taken into custody, he had a woman with him, uh, Josephine Amber, and she had told police that her and Powell had planned to get married during the day, but uh, they later changed their plans. And it's a good thing because uh, Elizabeth Powell, whom the ball player who's actually married to, and uh, she said that as far as she was concerned, there was no separation. So uh, that would have been a sticky uh, situation for Mr. Powell. May he rest in peace. November 4th, 1959, Ernie Banks wins his second National League MVP award in a row. He hits 45 home runs, drives in 143 runs for the Cubs. Uh, looking at Banks, uh, it's so interesting to look at his home run totals. From 55 to 1960, he hits 248 home runs, which is more than anybody else in the majors, including Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, and Hank Aaron. 
1955, he also had five Grand Slams in a season, which was a record uh, until 1987 when it was broke. It's still tied for the National League record uh, in a single season. Albert Pujols tied him in 2009. When I look at banks, if you're into you know a little bit of advanced analytics here, what really made 59 special for Ernie and made him above uh, 58, which was his other MVP award, was his defense. Um, he actually had a, a 3.5 defensive WAR, which was the highest of his career, almost a, a you know one and a half higher than his next highest um, highest score. Um, and he'll eventually be rewarded for that with a gold glove, but it comes a year later in 1960, and that happens a lot in Major League Baseball, as we know when it comes to the Golden Glove Awards. So just a few podcasts ago, I was talking about uh, players that led off a game with a home run and then hit a walk-off home run. So Chris Young for the Arizona Diamondbacks accomplished that feat, and when he accomplished that feat, it was Luis Gonzalez Day at the uh, in Arizona, and they had replayed this game, the ending of this game, uh, uh, 20 times during the game. So the fans were very much, uh, very excited. Luis Gonzalez came to the game. He puts his number 20 uniform on. So th the game uh, that we're talking about here is November 4, 2001, uh, where the Arizona Diamondbacks win their first World Series championships. They were down, uh, they were down to the Yankees, two to one in the bottom of the ninth with Mariano Rivera, the greatest postseason pitcher in history on the mound. And they rallied back. Uh, Tony Womack ties the game with a double down the right field line, and that was an absolute bullet. Uh, and then two batters later with the bases loaded, uh, Luis Gonzalez steps up. Gonzalez, a left-handed batter. Tim McCarver, almost on cue, says that uh, left-handed batters have a lot of jam shots that are hit to the left side of the infield. And sure enough, within seconds, uh, Gonzalez is hitting a flare that Jeter normally would catch, but since the infield was drawn in with the bases loaded and one out, uh, it falls in for a hit, and Gonzalez wins the World Series for the Diamondbacks in an epic, um, epic seven-game battle. Now, a couple things about this game. Uh, first, it was the first time since 1985 that two 20-game winners faced off in Game 7. The last time it happened was when Brett Saberhagen, faced, who was 20-6, and six, faced Cardinal uh, John Tudor, who was 21-8. and eight. Uh, The Royals won that game, and they won their first World Series championship. And in this game, it was Roger Clemens, who was 20-3, and three, facing Kurt Schillen, who was 22-6. Now, the, in 1985, both pitches factored in the decisions. In this game, neither pitcher got a decision. Now, the four-year-old Diamondbacks are the youngest franchise to win a World Series, uh, and they ended the string of the Yankees, who had won three straight. Now, one other interesting fact about this game was the MVP award. Now, in Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling were co-MVPs of this series, and rightfully so. They, uh, they carried the team. They were fan, you know, fantastic pitchers all season, and in, in, they did not disappoint in the series. And in 1981, also against the Yankees, it was the Dodgers that had a trio that shared the MVP award, and that was Ron Say, Pedro Guerrero, and Steve Yeager. And lastly about this game, um, and if you've never seen this game in its entirety, you can on thisdayinbaseball.com. Just click on the, uh, the link below and you could watch the whole game. It was a, it was a fantastic game to watch. Um, but um, a panel of experts in 2010 from the MLB Network is going to nominate this as the ninth greatest game in the past 50 years. And lastly, before we get to the answer to the trivia question, we're gonna, we of course have to have a birthday boy. So it's Dick Grote. 
Grote was born November 4th, 1930 in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania. He was the acknowledged leader of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Grote was a good hitting shortstop with great range. He helped Pittsburgh uh, to the World Series title in 1960. And then he was dealt to the Cardinals and he was a key player in their 1964 World Series championship. And uh, he was also a fantastic basketball player. He went to Duke University. He was an All-American, and uh, he had the opportunity to play professional basketball as well, but he chose baseball. Now, in 1960, which was his best year, he was named the uh, National League Most Valuable Player. Uh, he had won the batting title. Uh, one of the interesting things about him was he actually didn't play the full season. Um, what ended up happening was he ended up getting hit by a pitch on September 6th by Lou Burdett that broke his wrist. So he missed the final four weeks of the season, which may or may not helped with his batting average, but um, he didn't return to the last weekend of the year. And he did, of course, play in the 1960 World Series. A couple things about um, Grote. He excelled hitting at Forbes Field. He had 363 at home and 290 in road games. Mainly a singles hitter. He only had 32 extra base hits, which is one of the lowest marks ever by a Most Valuable Player Award winner. Um, but he was definitely he was an excellent fielder, and he combined with Bill Mazeroski, of course, and they made a, a fantastic um, double play duo. And now you can listen to all seven games of the 1960 World Series on TomsVintageBaseball.com. Now, uh, before I jump to the trivia, I just want to, again, send a special invite to you to join my baseball community at TomsVintageBaseball.com. The link's below in the show notes. I just listed a dozen games you can listen to. And this is a place where we just relive baseball history through the voices of the past. Hundreds of interviews spanning, spanning back in time all the way to the 19th century old baseball broadcasts, and so much more. There's thousands of audio clips for you to enjoy as a group or at your own convenience. You can start listening today at TomsVintageBaseball.com. After his playing career, Ernie Banks becomes the first African-American to manage in Major League Baseball. On May 8th, 1973, when, as a coach, he took over for ejected manager Whitey Lockman during an extra innings of a 3-2 win over the Padres in San Diego. And that's all I got today for November 4th. And as always, I hope that you like the show. I hope you share it, subscribe, leave a review. It all helps with us to expand our show and get out to more baseball fans just like you.